Welcome to The Scott Pod, a podcast celebrating the life, work, art and music of Scott Hutchison, frontman of Frightened Rabbit, Master System, Al John and so much more. Each episode of The Scott Pod features a discussion with a special guest, talking about what they've done to commemorate Scott or raise money for any of his worthy causes. This episode, we're joined by not one, but three special guests, as we discuss a series of tribute shows under the umbrella of Manchester Remembers Scott Hutchison. I wanted to speak to Matt Davis, organiser-in-chief of the Tribute Nights, to help shine a spotlight on why I started this podcast. Following Scott's passing, I was desperate to commemorate him myself, and I stumbled across a post on a local music group on Facebook, seeking artists for a tribute show to the big man. I roped in some Frabbit friends who were in a band to back me up, and I convinced Matt to put us on the bill. We enjoyed it so much we played four tribute shows to Scott in all, including both Manchester Rambers gigs, and would no doubt have performed a few more Scott-themed sets had COVID not intervened. Last year, feeling the pang of not playing a Scott show in two years, I reached out to a few folk from the Manchester Remembers Scott Hutchison group and discussed an alternative way to commemorate Scott. A Scott pod. Back to Matt, though. At the heart of the Manchester Remembers Scott Hutchison group is Matt Davis, whose decision to pursue throwing a Frightened Rabbit tribute show lit the blue touch paper. Let's hear from Matt about how it all came about. Yeah, I thought it'd be good to get a bit of an origin story episode going with a combo of chatting to you and then some of the other musicians who played the night I'd, yeah and i'd really like to hear how people remember it what they've taken from it it stuns me to think it's going to be getting on for well it'll be five years next year since uh scott left us it's just nuts to think how time's flown there's nothing been planned for this year but that's partly because Personally, I found it hard to really get back into just the, the swing of things. I, I mean, it's been, what, maybe eight months since the world's been reopened. Probably not even that, really. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's definitely taken a little while to just kind of like get back into, uh, get get the mojo back, you know. <laughs> like, right. Just to get used to going out and, and doing things and seeing people. It needs to happen because um, with regards to uh, Scott's music, I mean, I was thinking just the other day, you know, like a couple of years have passed. There will have been people that have discovered his music in that time, but never, ever got to see anybody playing the songs live, let alone him. Think of all the different ways people find music nowadays, you know, Spotify and Amazon Music and the rest of them, you know. If they listen to a certain type of music, Frightened Rabbit's almost definitely going to get thrown into the mix at some point. I'd be surprised if people weren't discovering him. If I'd just discovered him over the last couple of years and come to like them the way that I did and do, then... I think I'd be quite keen on an opportunity to see some some good musicians playing his songs, especially if I knew that they were doing it from a love of the songs as much as I had. Whoever it is that does it, it, it will be valued, I think, when we get to, to do something similar again, even if it's not in the same format. I mean, it could just be, you know, open mic down the pub, something like that, just something to, you know, get people together and, uh, and enjoy the music again. Before we kick off with some questions proper, Manchester Rumbers Scott Hutchison was a group set up by yourself. That original bill featured Jacob Cordingly from Narwhals, AIM, Civil Service, uh, who also did the music for the podcast, Adam Carpenter, who now obviously goes by Alien Clouds, Danny Stopford, Too Cool Kid. He pulled out the first time, but then did did come and join us on the second go. Beachcomber, I think, was the last. Yeah. Did you know any of the acts 
before reaching out? It was the first time I'd done anything like that. Put together any sort of concert or show of any sort. Being completely honest, the the idea to have a tribute show for Scott wasn't even, you know, something I'd come up with originally. I'd just seen that it, they were happening elsewhere in the UK. Um, one in London in particular seemed to have a good few hundred people going. I just got a little bit jealous, to be honest, and I, and I thought, I hope somebody does something like that up here in the northwest somewhere, and I'll be there couple of months passed and no one did so I just kind of took it upon myself to join a few of because I wasn't even in the, the Manchester music scene group where most of the acts came together I wasn't even in there before I, I decided to do this joined the group and yeah that seemed to be where the majority of them um, <laughs> musically minded Frightened Rabbit fans were hanging out a bunch of you uh, responded and yeah it just went from there really isn't it crazy that in my mind uh, I think I already knew the answer to that question that it was just a spur of the moment thing that you thought oh well no one else is doing it yeah I might as well go and do it and I think quite a lot of us acts felt the same way on that first night that it did seem a bit odd that there'd been a, a couple of shows around the UK with people setting up tribute shows dragging in some acts but people were traveling miles and miles to go and perform those shows yeah. let alone go and go and watch them and then Manchester was just sitting there with absolutely no one on it and obviously we'll come to the second show in a second but obviously that dragged an actor two from a bit further afield to come and play and it shows the the pulling power of gathering in a group and playing those songs was there anything that maybe put you off doing it for that first show were you a bit hesitant for any reason beyond not having a clue what I was doing like literally I didn't know where it was going to be how you go about acquiring a venue uh, or a sound person or putting together the progress from one act to another whether there'd be issues with you know too many instruments on the stage in that respect obviously you guys had a lot more experience than me of how that all worked that was invaluable in itself but yeah it really did feel like a communal effort getting it to happen in the first place if it had just been down to me <laughs> booking a few bands and then assuming it would happen it probably never would have done but you guys once it was established that it was happening you were all so um enthusiastic but it was almost inevitable it was going to be a good time once i felt that you guys were as behind it as i was i think that definitely took the pressure off a little bit and made me as i say confident that things were going to go ahead and they were going to be good it's so strange to think back now that I remember the chat hitting the groups of the number of venues you tried, the number of potential acts that could have been. It just seemed to keep on sprawling and growing and so many people wanting to chip in. I think a lot of people wanted to, but then the actual reality of it may have dawned on a few people that it wasn't as simple as just it wasn't going to be quite an open mic situation. We were going to have some properly formed acts on doing for all intents and purposes their own covers of Scott's songs not just you know belting out on guitar I don't know whether people felt like they just wanted to be involved but then realized that you know they couldn't put aside the time or it was intimidation but I feel fairly confident that everybody that was involved felt that to a certain degree because they wanted to do it right and do do the music justice it was certainly a relief when it all came together I feel like it worked out well the video of the first show is still live should you wish to direct anyone people can actually see what it was <laughs> I just put it up there for posterity how did that end up coming about a friend of mine runs a production company and I explained to him what we were doing he offered to send a couple of his boys down to record it for us they did a pretty good job of it I think so moving on to the second show a year later <laughs> 
a few of us from that original show reconvened, but hopefully the ethos was definitely there. Quite a lot of us wanted to open the door for more artists to step in and shine and show what they had to offer and how they wanted to remember Scott. So a bunch of us banded together and formed Scared Hairs, a little mm-hmm. mini tribute supergroup of acts from that first gig. Obviously drafted in additionally were Sean, Tom Lee, played as Tea Leaf, Chloe and Jay Plent as Too well. Too cool kid, as he was known the previous year. <laughs> It really did feel like a step up in quality if the venue had changed just a little bit with the stage getting built over with a staircase. Right at the end of that, that was an important moment, I think, for a lot of us. Do we have about 14 people all playing along through the loneliness and the scream right at the end? I've never seen that uh, stage more packed. It was an incredible moment. We got dangerously close to having more people on stage than in the class. <laughs> there was no plans to do a second show until it basically just became obvious for everybody involved. A good number of people that were involved or wanted to be involved but hadn't managed to make it that first year really wanted to do it again. And so we did. I feel like the second one was as much for the artist as it was for the crowd. And that's fine because if nothing else, that's why we wanted to do it was to not only have people hear Scott's music, but, you know, to to actually put together your own versions of it. I was glad I wasn't plugged in for the loneliness, but it was definitely nice to be there uh, attempting to play play guitar with you. We'll probably touch on this a little bit later on, but um, one of the changes I've made since then is that I've started to learn, learn to play guitar, almost in the hope that, you know, should we ever do it again, I might actually be in a place where I might be able to do a song of my own. There's certainly something to be said for connecting to the music by playing with it and interacting with it more so than just listening to it. I feel like I've come to appreciate the intricacies, I guess you could say, of his music more since I became more familiar with it through playing it. I can only assume that's one of the things that drove you and the other acts at the time was to kind of connect to the music by playing it more. Certainly what I've seen and what we know has kind of spun off from those two shows obviously many of the acts have ended up playing together again i know you've stumbled down and seen a couple of us playing shows together here there and everywhere either that's our own stuff or also playing a host of of scott related songs elsewhere i know a couple of the acts who didn't know each other before the show have ended up on the same record label over at bread records in manchester which is excellent another couple of the acts which is Alien Clouds have both ended up on Extra Super Very Friends, uh, Frightened Rabbit slash compilation album, which obviously we will be talking about in other episodes. Amazing. On top of a charity album for Tiny Changes, I know that a couple of the acts, including my band, have also played some further Tiny Changes fundraiser gigs. And indeed, we enjoyed playing with Adam Carpenter so much that I dragged him down and he ended up playing my wedding and playing some Scott songs there with us as well, which was loads of fun. Have you been keeping tabs on where all the artists have ended up and what they're doing now? As much as I can through the socials, obviously, again, with the last couple of years, it's just been next to impossible to actually get out to uh, to see anyone for the, for the reasons I would have done previously. Obviously, I've remained friends and or connected with all the acts that have played um, one way or another on the social medias and it has been really nice to see that there's been any remaining contact between any of the acts but you know playing together either in a scott related capacity or even if you know just just going off and doing their own things but equally um i guess 
I've never assumed that any success that I'm seeing from any of you guys is down to anything that I did, because <laughs> I just remember, especially at the time of the first show, when your demo tapes came in or links to SoundCloud, things like that, I couldn't believe my luck. The talent that was offering to play this show that I was hoping might happen <laughs> you know, and I might be able to bring to life being signed up to labels, getting onto a tribute albums, anything like that, it's because you guys are as good as you are. Yeah, I've just been lucky to kind of be part of a story <laughs> along the way. Well, too modest, Matt, too modest, because <laughs> I, I think one thing that other chats in relation to this podcast have brought out is how strangely interconnected things are, and that Absolutely. if Scott hadn't wrote the music he'd written, and if he hadn't connected with the people he'd connected with, which then kind of spins you off into a world of people he's collaborated with or people who've then gone on to really appreciate his music and cover themselves or, or play shows to raise money for Tiny Changes or other charities that he's been involved with. Uh, you don't get those that, that web of stories and connections, which then post Scott's passing, we've ended up with friendships and collaborations and more stuff created more charitable funds raised than mm -hmm. i think scott possibly could have imagined during his lifetime just coming about through people taking chances and thinking oh i'll do something because no one else is doing it and yeah i think whilst you absolutely you can sit back and be modest and think oh it had nothing to do with me i do think there's something to be said for being the person who sticks their head above the parapet and doing something. So on behalf of all of us, thank you. Well, thank you. I'm just going to brag about some of the other stuff that people have done as well, because... Please, I'd love to hear I, it. Because if I don't get it down, I, I won't. it won't make the edit. On that subject of strange parallels of people doing things in an interconnected way and perhaps not realising it, myself and Tom Lee ended up supporting Kevin Devine essentially two two uk shows apart i did the last day of one tour or other the band i was in uh, did the last day of one tour and then tom opened up the next uk tour george gad who again interconnected with this story because he organized the extra super very friends compilation the music scene especially in england where it's quite small people end up being connected by something and then you'll end yeah. up running into people and being like, oh, you did that thing with that person. I played with them a few shows back. We should play a show together sometimes. Mm -hmm. And people like you throwing shows just for the hell of it because it's <laughs> something that you want to hear and do and be part of is where those connections first get made in a lot of cases. So I think that's really great. What was the biggest takeaway from those nights for you? Well, I'd be less worried to try something like that again. And I don't mean specifically a musical performance, but anything where, you know, it's out of my comfort zone, that would be less of a concern going forward because, you know, it's not going to be a complete disaster if it doesn't go exactly the way you want it to go. But the chances of it completely failing are fairly slim as well. So it's, you know, it's always worth a shot, whatever it is, especially if it's something that you would want to happen, you know, whether it's go to, buy, attend, you know, face the unknown a little bit more willingly and with uh, you know, less trepidation. I think that's great life advice for anyone really, isn't it? Yeah, uh, for probably. I, 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 again, uh, going back to the second gig, 
even though we weren't able to put together quite as big a donation after that two tiny changes or i say that first the first donation actually went to calm i should be should be clear about that yet the second donation went to tiny changes so it was a bit of a shame that you know on that first donation two tiny changes we we didn't have quite as much to give but the show as as you've referred to it the show itself was fantastic and i went into it with so well so much more calmly than i did the first one because i had that that confidence that you know things would be okay and i'd worked with you guys before yeah the more you you put yourself in these situations the uh, the less it intimidates you i guess So Matt, how did you first discover Scott's music or his art? I was thinking about this because it, it was a while ago. So it was in my first proper job where I was allowed to wear headphones while I worked at an internet marketing agency. And this was back in the days of you'd open up your MP3 player to load up your, your music, but there'd also be a radio button. Uh, I can't remember if it was Winamp or something like that, but they'd have constant uh, radio, uh, internet radio stations, and one of them was a just a, a an indie station. It probably had maybe 20, 30 tracks just on repeat, and one of them was uh, Good Arms versus Bad Arms, and it just went from there. So hooked right from the outset then. Uh, also back in the days of uh, whatever came after Napster. <laughs> so, <laughs> I did buy the albums later, I promise. But uh, <laughs> heard a, heard a couple of songs that I liked of his and managed to source others. And uh, yeah, instant fan. And uh, I'm trying to think um, when that would have led to me first seeing him live. Probably would have been the HMV gig on Market Street. That's a nice little intimate opening to seeing, <laughs> seeing Fright yeah. Rabbit or Scott perform. Uh, in that respect, and this might have touched on why I felt a bond with the band to the music and to, to Scott because of the way that he wrote. But it's probably also true that I, I got to see them in fairly intimate setting twice, aside from gigs at Gorilla and Academy 2 and so, uh, so on and so forth. Once you've you know, managed to meet one of your heroes, shake their hands, and they've actually been decent and not let you down, because that so often happens. It's, uh, it's fairly rare. Very odd that the majority of people we've spoken to have that connection of intimate show, either the first time or certainly one of the times that they've seen them. And that seems to be the draw that they've just had something such close quarters. And then I don't know whether that's just helps critical ear, hearing everything a bit better or whether it's just that that personal connection that you almost feel you... it builds on itself you could like the music and st still think the guy was a bit of a idiot if if that's the way you'd come across if you respect the person as well as they are i think it all adds up to something a little bit more because let's face it most and we find out we find this more and more as people get on social media and post on social media most celebrities most artists they're they're not great people. <laughs> they're not necessarily people to um, to look up to. And I get the feeling Scott himself would probably say, well, 
I'm not that person. <laughs> you know, he wrote all about his his troubles. But you don't have to be somebody to look up to if you can just be somebody that people identify with and know that for the most part you've got good intentions, you know, and you you're not out to <laughs> to hurt people, hurt the world, get yours at the expense of other people's. As, as I kind of alluded to earlier, you meet your heroes because often they they let you down. Occasionally, one makes you think, actually, yeah, probably a decent person. <laughs> Scott was certainly one of those. I think again, it's something that's just come through in so many of the chats that when people do have that experience of meeting him, it does seem to be a common theme of. And I was shocked to find that he wasn't either what I thought he'd be, and also was lovely completely down yeah. to earth so humble so gracious do you have a favorite scott album if i said favorite album it'd be uh unpopular opinion it'd probably be winter of mixed drinks just because that was the one that hooked me most i wouldn't say it's necessarily the best album but you know just like sometimes your favorite film you know isn't the best film ever it's the one that kind of hooked you in as a kid or whatever or just made you love a, a director or something like that uh, and and for me it was uh over the top production but um it's it's all the, the layers the uh, almost like phil specter type of excess of that album that really kind of got me listening to them when i first heard good arms versus bad arms pretty sure both albums were out at the time so when i did actually track down a copy of one of the albums i think it would have been winter of mixed drinks and you remember you might remember for one song i asked but somebody do was foot shooter yeah, i wouldn't necessarily say that's my favorite of their songs but it just seemed to be one that nobody was mentioning when everyone was deciding i'm gonna sing this one i'm gonna sing this one it's like guys this brilliant song <laughs> no one's even mentioned that have to be up there potentially what one of my favorites from that album but also generally tricky one to play on guitar as well would you say it's still your favorite scott song i don't think i could pick one because every time i'd pick another one would come in and i'd be like actually no hold on <laughs> so obviously we already discussed occasions where you managed to catch Frightened Rabbit live. Did you catch any other big Scott shows? So yeah, I mentioned that they were that there was a couple of small ones. So um the one that really sticks out for me is one where I actually got to meet him and that was at the XFM studios in on Media City. I think it was the week of the release of the third album, which terribly is skipping my mind right now. That's reinverse. They were promoting that. It was getting a lot of play on XFM at the time, which probably was no small coincidence. And he came and sang four songs for people who had been invited in. And I, I just I couldn't believe my luck. Essentially, the boss of the company I was working for at the time was on good terms with somebody at XFM, I think. Yeah, he was asked if he'd like to go to the gig and I was too busy or didn't care, but he knew that I was a fan and literally just said, Matt, you want to go see Frightened Rabbit live at lunchtime? I was like, yes, I do. That sounds like something I want to do. Very uh, gratefully took that opportunity. So that was a bizarre lunchtime. <laughs> Dashing out of work to go and see my, well, pretty much my favourite band playing you know, a couple of feet in front of me. And like I say, got to meet him, uh, said hello, all seemed like lovely lads, and then I went back to my desk. <laughs> so there was that, and then the uh, largest would have been at uh, Green Man, I forget the year, but that was, um, yeah, something, seeing them on the main stage there. Was it Green Man? It wasn't Green Man, so it was End of a Road, sorry. I was, yes, there we go. One year we decided to do End of a Road, and 
the fact that Frightened Rabbit was playing, come to think of it, probably would have influenced that decision. <laughs> Just seeing them on such a, uh, a massive stage in front of such a massive crowd, as loud as they were, that was, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a good time. End of the road that same year. If you search YouTube, for Scott Hutchison, one of the first results is him playing at End of the Road. Just him and his guitar at End of the Road, they do impromptu things in the middle of the forest, like a cappella, I guess is it called, or at least unplugged performances. And yeah, I was just hanging around at the right time, right place, and he just wanders out with his guitar. Uh, oh, it's beautiful. Uh, beautiful little moment. <laughs> is that where he swears in front of the child? Yes, that, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I suppose that links us quite nicely into... Do you have a favourite memory of Scott that you'd like to share? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably uh, probably shaking his hand. He was always funny on stage. I could, I, it'd be hard to remember every time he made me laugh at one of his shows, but yeah. never forget just that, that lunchtime <laughs> popping over and, uh, and meeting one of my heroes. Are there any tiny changes that you're currently working towards? I'd like to uh, get to work on a gig for next year but i'm not currently at it i mean biggest thing for me relating to scott and scott's music is learning to play guitar and hopefully possibly maybe one day doing something similar to what you guys did but the shows that we did previously still a way to to go before i'm confident enough to do that awesome have you done anything else to commemorate scott joined in on the scott's bench group as that was happening and fully intend to take a, a trip up to see one or both of the benches that they managed to build using the money that was generated from that. Yeah, that, that'd be something I was engaged in and now it's pretty much done and now I'd like to, to see the results. Looks so good. Many of the Fright Rabbit communities have taken to commemorating Scott in unique ways, from stickers to listening parties, street art and visitings to his benches across the world now along with tribute shows, craft sales and the like. Is there any other things that you've seen in the general Frightened Rabbit groups that you're, you're tempted to be part of? Any kind of desire to, to pick anything up? Not long after Scott left us, I got myself the tattoo that a lot of people have. <laughs> um, so that's my way of carrying something of him, of, of my experience of you know being a fan with me don't really feel the need to to wear anything else that's uh that's mine got it down here ace i wanted it to come out naturally as well i should also mention that i've done a shout out with the first episode going out for if people have tattoos that they wouldn't mind sharing pictures of if you've seen what the website looks like at the moment or if you get a chance to down the line at the moment it's loads of little collage images of scott but the aim is to replace some most all at some point maybe with community tattoo submissions i mean it would be awesome if we got enough to do a collage of his tattoo with other people's tattoos but certainly i think it'd just be a lot of fun to have a whole bunch of submissions so do take a look and if you fancy being part of it there's no pressure yeah. but it's it's gonna be a funny one i think a very uh very fleshy wall yeah. <laughs> we've, we've been trying to think of ways to make it less look like a scene from Dexter. Or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm so glad that we got to chat and in my mind's eye originally this would have been maybe episode zero or episode one like a taster to get people yeah. interested in it so apologies that it's not going to come out as that. I want to shine a bit of a light on the Manchester Remembers community because obviously all the stuff that we talked about at the start of this Obviously, people know where to go on the internet and they know their own socials and maybe they follow some of the same artists or maybe, you know, they know if they want 
something to remember Scott by that they have resources digitally or they have resources already in their minds but it was probably the biggest thing that I took away from that night was that it wasn't necessarily something completely led by an already established frightened rabbit community out in the world it was just a group of musicians all in the same place who fancied doing something to commemorate it was a guy who took a punt thinking oh I could do that because no one else is doing it and what it led to was like yeah a bunch of friendships forming bunch of people going on to collaborate and do more stuff together mm-hmm. and ultimately this podcast coming out of it it's going to be loads of fun piecing together a bit of a jigsaw putting it out as an episode and saying to people hey you know about that fright rabbit group and you know about these people who either cover the, the band a lot or they talked about the band a lot or whatever why not throw it open to your local music group if there's fellow fans or if you know people that are fans go out and do what matt did take a punt find a venue yeah find some bands, make some money for tiny changes. <laughs> <laughs> the the listener spread so far has been interesting. Should we say that? I was, expe- okay. I was expecting way more UK. Going. Oh, no, they are huge. Uh, well, relatively speaking, huge. In America. I think um, that the style really appeals to um, a particular sector of, of the listeners out there. You know, but, well, I mean, if you think about it, they're regularly mentioned alongside huge American acts, you know, like I remember actually going right back to the start of the conversation. Arcade Fire was one of the bands that were being played alongside on that radio station I mentioned, and that would have been round about the time that they were all uh, they were kicking off, and deservedly so. And and they will be mentioned and played alongside similar acts still. So it doesn't surprise me that they have a large American following because they, you know, they, they get played alongside so many acts that hail from there. Fingers crossed. Before we finish, just to touch on what you were just saying about what the gigs brought for you and for the other acts and also for me. But what I kind of took away from the most was that everyone's got a way of accessing Scott's music. For me, it was always about the gigs. I'd never missed when he came to Manchester. And one of the reasons I wanted to do it in Manchester was because if he was ever touring, he'd always come to Manchester. It seemed like a couple of times a year at one point, I think he actually came around. I was really sore after having just said I'd, I'd never miss a gig. And then I found out that they'd done the 10-year anniversary gig for Midnight Organ Fight. And yeah, would have absolutely loved to have been there. Would have done anything. And then just found out like literally a week after that, yeah, it had been and gone. And then it wasn't long after that, but the other news came through. It feels like that music's meant to be heard with other people and sang along to mosh to dance to whatever it is you're doing you're just shouting whatever it is it's meant to be heard of other people and we'll never get it as it was but it's certainly no bad thing to be able to get people together to play and listen to those songs in in a live environment needs to happen again that was absolutely gold thank you again for today cheers alex all right nice one man cheers matt have a good one cheers see you later was Matt Davis there. Thanks again Matt for your time and all the efforts to commemorate Scott, a shared musical hero. Next up I spoke with Jacob Cordingly. Jacob performed at the first show solo as one half of the band Narwhals. Prior to the second Manchester Remember Scott Hutchison show I enlisted Jacob's help 
along with Adam Carpenter of Alien Clouds, to join civil service and form Scared Hairs, the first and worst Frightened Rabbit tribute act on the planet. Let's hear Jacob's memories of both nights. Hi, I'm Jacob. I play in a band called Narwhals. I took part solo in the, the first uh, Manchester Remembers Scott Hutchison back in 2018. And obviously I met you and I met all the other guys in civil service and Adam and we uh, we formed Scared Hairs the following year, which was a lot of good fun. And it was a great way to remember a songwriter who meant a lot to all of us, I think. So, What made you take part? What grabbed you and said, this is the show to volunteer your time for and to get involved with? I'd never met Scott, but he was always one of my favourite favorite songwriters, just for the way that he impacted my life, really. I always felt that if I put on one of Brighton Rapids records, particularly the Midnight Organ fight, that it felt like I had a friend in the room. If I was in a dark place mentally, put that on, it felt like a conversation, not just listening to a record. And when he sadly passed away, took his own life, I remember really, really grieving. I've lost a friend in a similar tragic way, and it felt just the same. Felt like I'd lost a friend, even though I didn't know him, never met him in person. So when Matt posted on some Facebook group or other that he was wanting to put this on, I just messaged him straight away. I was like, I have to do this. This will be healing in a way and probably also quite enjoyable, which it was. Yeah, I've met some really cool people like yourself who are doing this, so I don't regret it at all for a minute. How did you find working with Matt, who'd come into it completely cold, had never promoted shows or indeed anything music-related before? And what did you think of the approach of just throw it open to a, a music community and see your volunteers? It was really, really easy to work with. I really just liked the approach of just seeing who wants to do it and then putting the thing on. It, it was simple, but it was effective. And he called upon people that he knew to help out with certain things as well. Like obviously the first year we did it, they recorded it all you know, on video, which was, I watched it again recently. It's really, it's really enjoyable to watch. Do you remember what you played when you're playing solo at the first show? So I definitely did Good Arms versus Bad Arms, Head Rolls Off, Roadless, just from their, one of their EPs, which I don't think I'd even listened to before Scott had died and I heard it and I was like, this is brilliant playing that. And I fucked up an Al John song as well, I think. Is it Los Angeles, Please Be Kind, or was it? No, it was a good reason to grow old. I messed it up. You can watch that on YouTube. It's 100% the thing. I'm sure you've done it as well. If you go to a gig and this, you know, the singer messes up on stage and maybe sings yeah. the wrong verse or whatever, it is impossible to know what the right lyrics are then because they've put the wrong lyrics in your head and all you can think yeah. about is, yeah, the verse they've just sung. Yeah. Feel for any artist who forgets the words on stage because that was my uh, modus operandi when I was... A front man who had to sing yeah you probably remember i had a lot of cheat sheets you did yeah yeah i mean i guess in your normal band you uh you, you don't have lyrics at all do you my favorite thing about <laughs> the new stuff first rabbit gig i wasn't in civil service at the time and i basically roped them in to help me with performing some band stuff mainly because when matt first put the call out i'd noticed mm. that a lot of people who'd signed up it's all solo artists and singer songwriters and i absolutely love that and i think it's the perfect style for covering scott stuff for sure but it did feel like there was an opening to do some of the heavier bandy stuff, especially I think we opened up with stuff off Sing the Greys and we definitely had a ethos. You finished, in, you finished with Master System, didn't you? Bird is, yeah. Bird is Bored, which we did the following year. Such a fun song to play. 
and it's one of those moments where you realize hey i love playing with these guys and at the time they were talking about drafting in another member and i was like well here's the audition then let's see how this goes yeah i suppose that takes us quite nicely on to we played those two shows together and we've stayed in contact i know there's quite a few from the two shows who've roughly stayed in contact with each other in one form or another it hasn't gone unnoticed and it's definitely going to be a bit of a theme that there is some connections within the music scene that i think have developed as a result of those two shows oh definitely yeah yeah i know that he wasn't there but i don't think i would have heard of like you know the record label that we're now on in nowells without those shows one one person that came to those shows is on the label too and so i wouldn't have even known about them yeah it's been all sorts of come about because of it i think scared hairs was just such a really fun thing to do with you guys and i'd I'd love to do that again the most positive thing for me out of that second show especially was i know matt was a little disappointed that the figures and the amount that he was able to donate in the second show wasn't the same as the first which going into it I think we all kind of felt that the first show felt like the outpouring that a lot of people needed and Mm. the second show probably came at that point of time where people were a bit circumspect as to do you keep on using this form to celebrate Scott or do you go on to doing different things and it did feel like around the country around the world there wasn't the same second birthday hit and there wasn't tribute shows going on in places it was more bands just doing their normal stuff but playing the occasional cover or if they went up and played Glasgow or Edinburgh then they'd play a cover but you wouldn't necessarily see it modern place every day unless you're at Twilight Sideshow. Matt was brave and thought let's do it and I Mm. felt like that second show the quality was such a big step up. Yeah absolutely fantastic artists at the second one. Not to disparage anyone who played the first show at all because I thought everyone for short time frame and probably limited knowledge of the source material in terms of covering it because it was a little bit thrown together. As you can see on the video, everyone did really well. It's that the second show, it felt like there were some great artists and we threw our stuff together in a bit of a rush, but also it came out so well Mm. and felt like completely natural to the extent that we were able to just drag up two extra musicians on the night, last minute, to come up, jump up on stage and play the last song with us. Oh, there's more than two. I think there's quite a bunch of us, wasn't there? And that final song more on stage than in the crowd yeah probably i think even matt was playing <laughs> it was one of those songs where uh, you can just play a d chord and bash your way through it a little bit can't you i felt like it became such excellent fun yeah it felt that it was uh, it's a shame the audiences weren't the other way around for sure but i'm so mm. glad the people that were there got like a really good representation yeah. of scott's stuff through all the acts yeah. and all the all the songs covered I think what I loved about both shows was when you're singing and everyone else in the room is singing along, not just in the final song where we ordered together, but I can remember we're doing the first one. In particular, I was playing Good Arms and the whole room was just singing along to it. It doesn't come out on the video because obviously there's no mics on the audience, but it was kind of an amazing feeling really that. And it happened, it definitely happened in the second one as well. That feeling of community and camaraderie and you're all there for one reason to remember the music of someone that was pretty much universally adored by everyone in that room. Obviously, you got to play some absolute classics, both at the first... I mean, I thought your first set... I was angrily sitting, reading people submitting songs, going, oh, I wish we thought to cover that one, or, oh, that would have been a great one to do. And then I saw the four that you'd picked for that first show, four or five that you picked for that first show, and just went... You couldn't have cherry-picked kort of a more perfect foursome five sort of two and together 
and our stuff was really sporadic kind of out of choice that we thought oh we'll take all the ones that no one else is going to take or no one else wants is there a song of his that you didn't get the opportunity to cover that you'd love to perform at some point I want something that kind of really started to mean a lot more to me like maybe a year or so after that and I started to learn was Poke I'd love to have played that at one of those nights I did actually recently record a cover of Poke for well last year actually for there was some guy in the Frightened Rabbit, you know, the fan group on Facebook. Some guy who was wanting to record covers for his music tech course. I don't think it's being released or anything, but it, I really enjoyed doing that and making that and trying to do something original with it at the same time. I'm not the sort of person that ever covers anything, you know, like for like, really. I'll always try and do something unique with it and make it a bit different. Well, I'm not Scottish for a start. Yeah. <laughs> to me, the point of covering a song is to put your own take on it. If there's a cover that's exactly the same, I won't really like it. I mean, I thought you did that great uh, night one, and I felt like we did we did that enough with Scared Hairs night two. Mm. That it definitely felt like a garage band jam band orchestration of a very different set of songs for sure. Um, oh yeah, definitely yeah. And I loved the fact that Oil Slick ended up sounding like it was Midnight Organ Fight era almost because it was kind of like shambly guitars, a little bit scatty around the edges, which probably was helped by the fact that I couldn't really play it properly. So. <laughs> Don't let Adam hear you. <laughs> Obviously, your label mate now. He is, yeah. Not really got to know my label mates very much, just because I've not really been out socialising very much the last couple of years. Hopefully there's more more to come with that. If there's a vague interest, then I'm sure we'll have a look around the date and try and cobble something together. Yeah, I'd definitely be up for it. I'm gonna, um, you know, if it's on and it's a date I can do, I'll turn up, definitely. I'd love to do something again like that. What was the big takeaway for you from the night is there anything that you feel you really got from it beyond just being able to relive the songs one more time i think it was realizing there's a whole community of people that actually really loved frightened rabbit as much as i did i hadn't seen that facebook group at that point i'd never come across many of the rabbit fans in the wild apart from a couple of gigs that i'd been to so it was really nice just to kind of feel part of that sense of community around it which was really enjoyable meeting all these fabulous musicians getting to enjoy not just performing myself, but watching everyone else's sets, really having a very good time, singing along, just enjoying the evening, I guess. And learning that Iron Brew is a tropical drink. That was uh... <laughs> What are you up to now? Where's life taking you since those Scott shows? And have you done anything else to commemorate Scott? So we decided as a brand a couple of years ago now that any money we make from our first album, you know, little streaming revenues we get, go to Tiny Changes. We are also in the process of working on our second album at the moment. And like everything we do, it's very slow progress. We're getting there with that, doing together. Yeah, hoping to play some gigs once that's done as well, because we've not done that in a long time. Do me a favour and plug where people can hear you. We are on all the usuals. We've got Bandcamp, we've got all the streaming services, except for Spotify, who we're boycotting. You can also find us via the Bread Records Bandcamp as well. We have all of our stuff's available through there and... Obviously, just links to directly to our own. The usual places apart from Spotify. We are narwhalsuk.bandcamp.com. Perfect. Great to see you. Take care. Indeed. Speak to you soon. Cheers, Jacob. Jacob from Narwhals there. Thanks again, Jacob, for your time. Really appreciate it. Go check out Narwhals across social media 
and maybe consider buying their record. Every little helps tiny changes, right? Next up, we're speaking to Fran Atkinson from the band Civil Service. My band. I'm going to speak to Fran about what it was like to play as Civil Service at Manchester Remembers Scott Hutchison show number one, and then what it was like to reform under the name Scared Hairs for Manchester Remembers Scott Hutchison show number two, assisted by Adam Carpenter from Alien Clouds and Jacob Cordingly from Narwhals. Let's hear from Fran now. Fran, welcome to the podcast. A nice weird situation. Always fun to be chatting with you. One of the bandmates, one of the original Scared Hairs members. Let's go right back to the beginning. Manchester remembers Scott Hutchison, gig number one, September 2018. How did you first find out about it? After the death of Scott, was very much drawn to all the amazing social media groups, of course, the Facebook group. And I think it was probably yourself that noticed that Matt was trying to put something together in our very own Manchester. And we got really excited. and begged him to allow us to play I think we we're a bit apprehensive because it was all solo acts and that was somehow kind of more intimidating I think being a band and wanting to play on a bill with mainly solo acts than kind of the other way around and we were a bit worried he might kind of say bands aren't cool solo acts are cool and had us on we changed our name from civil service to scared hairs and practiced a lot harder and heavier for that show than we have for any of our own We'd been talking about the situation, our yeah. mutual love of Scott, the fact that we'd seen him two, three months before. I certainly remember it being a lot of fun leading up to that show. You coming in, a lot of debate about how we were going to arrange all these songs. And because we had so recently seen Frightened Rabbit, and we've talked before about how hard that Midnight Organ Fight show went, hard as in, like, it was a huge rock show. Not in huge rock venues, but it was a huge rock show. Uh, yeah, bigger than it like needed to be just massively massively polished and and professional and dazzling and amazing and it could have just been scott with a guitar and that would have been equally brilliant we felt well if we're doing this as a band we need to sound huge <laughs> because bright and rabbit sounded so huge we put quite a lot of work into the arrangement didn't we we definitely did let's reel off some songs that we think we played yes we played the greys because it was relatively easy <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure scott won't mind people posthumously continuing to take the mick out of the greys it's one of the easiest songs to play that i've ever played but also we could have a lot of fun with it we were adding in little extra bits and slides and that it gave us a lot of opportunity to dance around a bit and get the right mood for the gig anytime a gig gets launched with first album track from a band who have five six albums if you're in the audience and that is a band you love, you're instantly engaged with it. And I was hoping that that was the vibe that would translate across to the audience, that we weren't there to be morose. We played some hard-hitting songs, but we didn't play the hard-hitting songs, the really deep-cut ones that perhaps some of the other artists that night played. Instead, we went for, I want to say, the fun, dark songs. I would agree with that, yeah. It was all built up towards playing, spoiler alert, Loneliness and the Scream, last and we know we wanted that to be big and festively because we've seen it like that so many times we played happy and raucous didn't we so what else can you remember playing from that first show we definitely oil slick we hopped on at the end of adam we've rehearsed this a couple of times and of course in your head that's like we're going to jump out of a curtain and we're all plugged in and we just start playing with adam and then in reality it was gulliver's which is a fantastic venue but to get on stage you have to weave your way through the crowd so I think we were setting up for kind of about two minutes 
behind Adam. <laughs> but we got the cue. We came in at the right time. And then we went into that. We played the Greys. What else did we play? I remember you did Dalek Rich Boy. Did we rehearse Lump Street? We did Lump Street. We did Lump Street. Yeah. With a synthesizer? I think we did, yeah. We also threw in a delightful cover of Bird is Bored at that first show. Yes, we did, because we weren't quite brave enough to just do a master system set, but give it a year. <laughs> <laughs> I know, obviously, we came back on after the last act played to yeah. come and do Loneliness. What drew you into really wanting to play it? I think, really, it was just the chance to go to a meetup and know that there'd be other Frightened Rabbit fans and get into experience that joy and grief with other people outside of our own bubble. We knew whatever happened, we'd be going. We wanted to play. And we met so many lovely, amazing people that night. Definitely everything that we imagined came true. What was your highlight of the evening outside of playing? I really enjoyed Adam Carpenter's set. I think he sings with a lot of honesty and emotion. He's clearly someone who... He's never afraid to put himself out there in his own performances. And he was kind of putting himself out there through the lyrics and music of Scott on that stage. And you could just tell how genuine he was. And he's an absolutely lovely guy and became very good friends after that show. His set was definitely a highlight for me. But it's been great to see him so many other times since. Moving on to the second show, Manchester Remembers Scott Hutchison, show number two in September 2019. After the first year, obviously, we made a call that playing as ourselves probably wasn't going to do it again and we wanted to essentially rope in kind of best of super group from that first show scared has reformed but expanded to include all of civil service and jacob from narwhals and adam carpenter now alien clouds yep which was a lot of fun what was it like trying to prepare for those shows and add in brand new members. I remember it being an absolute nightmare all agreeing times we could do. Once we actually all got in a room together, it felt quite natural. Once we'd got our levels sorted, we had Jake or Adam higher in the mix, and then we worked around them. I think we'd done a little bit, as civil service, we'd done a little bit of prep work, assuming that because they were singing, they would probably just be playing the rhythm track, which worked. And then we just had an absolute blast in rehearsal, getting to show each other what we could do playing those songs a lot of times, an awful lot of times, bickering a bit, forgetting the lyrics. It was great fun. It felt, I think, less like a chore than the first time where we had nervously signed up for this. We didn't know if we could do it. We were expecting a very high quality, so we wanted to beat that very high quality. And we were, I suppose, quite analytical about getting every little detail of the songs right. Whereas the next time it felt a lot more natural. It felt a lot more like we were having fun, like we were just playing the spirits of the songs. We knew that we could do it. We knew that it was only going to sound better. Having Jacob and Adam with us, I really enjoyed it. It was a shame after we did the show that we couldn't meet up and do that more. Do you remember what we played at that second show? Modern Leper? I know we practised it. Holy. Oh, we did do Holy. Yes, we definitely did Holy. That's a lot of fun to play. I think we might have revisited the greys again and oil slick finished with loneliness it's one of those where you played something kind of quite twinkly in the background if that's coming through full blast to the front of the crowd it's going to sound terrible and if it's buried in the background beneath jacob's lovely guitar and singing it's going to sound absolutely brilliant i'm sure we've put some more 
Master System songs in. So did we do Birds, Old Team? We did do Old Team. And we did Must Try Harder, which I mean, we play in a post-rock come shoegaze band. And playing that riff to Must Try Harder is the shoegaziest thing I've ever done. It was brilliant. It bleeds the Lockie Brothers, doesn't it? Has a real feel of minor victories. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because it's Scott. You can't just bury his vocals. <laughs> <laughs> I had a lot of fun playing the Mass System songs. I know we kind of set out on the journey to play that second show with a mindset of maybe we'll just be the Master System covers band. Yeah, it's what the world wanted. <laughs> was there any particular highlights of the set that we played that second show? Must Try Harder was really, really fun for me. I think in terms of fan reception, I think Oil Slick went down really well. People had probably seen it the year before with Adam at the front. And he did a really good job with that song. And you could tell that that's absolutely one of his favourite Frightened Rabbit songs. So I think that one went really, really well. And then obviously we had the big finish. And the first year we kind of maybe played around with just dragging a couple of other musicians on stage or, you know, dragging Adam back up. But obviously we didn't really know anyone. The second show, we finished with Loneliness and the Scream. And about half of the musicians, if not more, grabbed guitars it was absolutely rammed wasn't it and i have no idea who ended up sort of being plugged in or not and we were all bumping shoulders and heads and it was absolutely fantastic it was amazing i remember doing the thing that i always do at gigs i snapped a string in the lead up to that song so i deliberately unplugged myself and gave someone else my amp well belted along with the woes. yeah it was fantastic it was it was like the end of a of a live aid show or something better than that. <laughs> what was it like working with Matt? Matt was just fantastic. So obviously, what was so brilliant is it wasn't some kind of cash in from a local promoter seeing which musicians died this week. Matt was just a massive Frightened Rabbit fan who wanted to do something. I don't believe he plays in an act himself, although he does play a bit of guitar. So it wasn't about putting himself on as a headliner and finding a load of people to come along and flesh out the numbers. It was just about he wanted to do something to remember Scott and he put on the gig and he was just a really, really nice guy, really, really friendly, incredibly tall man. And yeah, and he, and he did an absolutely fantastic job. Very, very modest. I think he had to be forced to even acknowledge it was him that had organised it and say a few words at the end of the show on, was it on the first night, on yeah. the first year rather. Yeah, so just shows a man with really, really good intentions. Or credit to him. How did you discover Scott's music? By talking to the typical pretentious indie girl at my school who was in the year above me. I think at the time I was big into Manic Street Preachers. She was like, hey, you like Manic Street Preachers. Do you like, she didn't say Fry and Rabbit here, she said Fat Cat Records. <laughs> Gotta say at the time, didn't really know like what a record label was. The idea that like a record label would have a selection of bands that you knew were going to be good. And I was just like, I don't know what that is. And she's like, Fat Cat Records, they've got some great bands on, like Frightened Rabbit. Found out about them, listened to that super early demo of Be Less Rude, which was charming as anything. And then didn't really pay attention until 2008. I went to see Biffy Clyro at Brixton Academy back when they were like consistently good. And that was still the best Biffy show I've ever been to. And Frightened Rabbit were opening. It was peak midnight organ fight time for them huge show for them and yeah they were just amazing absolutely brilliant brought the house down managed to rock out 
when you saw them with Biffy, was that seeing them prior to hearing Midnight Organ Fight? It was. I had really only heard Be Less Rude, which they didn't play. And I was <laughs> like, what's going on? Like, that's clearly their biggest hit. Like, that's, that's the song that's going to make them huge. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I went and got Midnight Organ Fight a week or so after. Have you done anything else to commemorate Scott? We did a couple of extra shows. One was Leeds, an absolute fan only bonus that was a really fun show and then we had a low-key last minute show we did in manchester at the fantastic fuel bar did we decide to play a, an acoustic song from our own band we did indeed which is about 10 minutes long so we made people sit through that and then we played a few more songs with adam again and that was a really nice show so after that we've not really had a chance because the world fell apart i'm sure we're all hoping matt might want to put together Manchester, Scott Hutchison 3. Although I think a while ago, when he was originally going to do one before the world fell apart, he mentioned essentially just giving other acts a chance to play and it not being a like civil service will always play this and they'll always sort of be on last sort of thing, um, which I thought was number one, absolutely fair enough because there's loads of amazing Manchester bands who should be playing. But also, number two, quite excited that I could maybe go to this show and enjoy it without wetting myself for the majority of the show and have a few more drums in Scott's honour than I had when I then have to play guitar competently for half an hour or so. Never stopped me. <laughs> never stopped you. <laughs> and I'm sure the crowd has never noticed. Hopefully that will go ahead or some kind of Manchester event will go ahead in the future when everything settles down a little bit more. We'll be promoting that whether or not we're involved and Absolutely. we'll be there in attendance. Hopefully we will get another chance to sometime soon. You've not given yourself any credit for at least pitching in in small part with the podcast, but don't worry, you get thanked at the end of every episode anyway. <laughs> On top of that, how engaged have you been within the Scott communities across the internet? I'm not a big user of social media. I would very much like to delete Facebook. There are two things stopping me from doing that. Number one is every band I've ever listened to or shown an interest in, I have liked on Facebook. And it is basically curated now to just be a never-ended list of bands announcing shows, uh, which is important for me. And I'm too lazy to go and like them all on Songkick. Number two, the Frightened Rabbit groups on Facebook are, without hyperbole, the nicest, most positive, non-judgmental places on social media. And social media is not nice and it is not non-judgmental and it is not positive. I won't say that I'm a particularly active poster. I'll leave the odd comment, leave the odd like. But it, it brings me a lot of joy that the community exists, that the community is so lovely and that the community is still so active and so engaged. And it shows that it wasn't just a flash in the pan or joined this group and everyone just comments RIP and then that's it. It's made something positive out of the whole situation. Well, I know you've kicked in with a couple of other tiny changes, donations here and there as well. Is there anything else that you'd like to do for tiny changes? At the moment, our band, we've not done our own local shows for a while, but definitely once we've got new stuff recorded and we're looking at doing release shows, hometown Manchester shows, we've always been very big on being essentially a non-profit band. We are far from making any profit whatsoever. At the moment, because of the situation in Ukraine, we have given pretty much all of our music sales and our ticket sales profits 
to that cause, to the Disasters Committee fundraiser. One absolutely hopes a few months down the line, things will in, we can hopefully do something for Tiny Changes because I think that was always our initial intention was that any reasonable profit we made would go to Tiny Changes because that seems like the natural choice of charity for us. Tiny Changes shows in the future. Do you want to tell us what you've been up to since Manchester Remembers Scott Hutchinson shows? After those Manchester Remembers Scott Hutchinson shows, we actually had to go back to the rather dreary business of putting together our own songs as civil service. It's really hard when someone hasn't already written the songs for you. COVID hit, then we came back with a kind of a new figure. We put an EP out early this year, Bandsman Civil Service. The EP is called Life Death, and it's a very morbid and also very joyous concept EP about the process of, of life all the way through to death. So we start with birth, we've got the teenage years, We've got the work years, we've got retirement. The last track is about death, which has affected some of the band, as it has many people over the last couple of years. So that's out. That's on all good platforms and the streaming platforms, none of which are particularly good. Uh, and then we've got a load of new stuff coming up. In theory, we have what might be an album. We just need to get together and record that at some point. We've spoken to a couple of other artists from the shows and... The thing that's brought me a lot of joy just in meeting these great people is seeing them flourish in their own rights, not playing Scott stuff, playing their own stuff, getting their own their own music out into the world. Is there any particular live highlights that you've had over the past few years since those Scott shows? Civil Service, we've played two, well, my two favourite shows I've ever played, we've done this year. The first one was a fundraiser in Leeds for the Ukraine uh, crisis. There's the fantastic 1919 headlining and an amazing kind of synth goth uh, band from Leeds called Larissa playing and we were really really honoured to be asked to go along and play that opening and it was obviously for a fantastic cause. It was an amazing uh, venue in Leeds called Boom which just attracts all the cool cool people in Leeds came down it had had some really good publicity so a lot of people had come down just because they wanted to see a gig and they wanted to support a good cause and it was kind of the first time where I've had more than a few nice conversations with people who have never heard us and don't know who we are and maybe weren't even expecting to hear post-rock at a gig they said really nice things the atmosphere there was absolutely great the other two bands were absolutely fantastic that's one of the favourite shows I've ever played we got to do our first show playing with other post-rock bands. For anyone not in the UK, the UK post-rock scene is strong, it's fantastic, but there's not a whole lot of us. That's okay. Within Manchester, it's not like there were a load of post-rock nights that we were desperately trying to get on. You know, there was absolutely nothing. You'd get some of the bigger touring bands, but you'd have no chance of sort of getting on those bills. So we were really honoured to play with London-based post-rock slash math band called Codices who were on tour. They brought with them a fantastic post-metal band from Salt Lake City, Utah, called Black Shape. We were really lucky enough to open for them at the Manchester show. And that was terrifying because I knew we were going to be judged by fans who knew what good post-rock was. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> people who really mattered, who know what they're talking about, the kind of connoisseurs of the genre, kind of say if we were actually any good or not. But the show was fantastic. It went really well. It was so nice to talk to other post-rock musicians. They were such lovely guys. 
we had a really really great night the audience was absolutely fantastic so yeah that show was really really special for me and those were the two two favorite shows we've played i'll chip in from my side i love those shows as well to drag it back towards scott chat you'd be amazed how many venues out there they're quite happy to have someone put on a night if they've got a free slot often if you tell them it's for charity you can get a pretty good rate and then if you're charging a reasonable amount you might be surprised that it's not as many ticket sales as you might imagine often you can you can cover the venue hire with sort of 15 to 20 people showing up and then everything else gets to go to to the cause fans who are going to want to play these nights they're not going to be divas they're always going to be super helpful they might help you with stuff like tech specs they're dealing with pa systems and that i wouldn't say anyone could necessarily go and be a full-time promoter but anyone can put on a really really good show if they've got got the right reasons and they've got the right motivation and are prepared to put a bit of work in yeah it absolutely can be done it should just be that little bit of inspiration to to anyone out there who's thinking well what comes from playing these shows because at the start of this conversation we had a chat about it was the first show that we played together as the current format doing some scott tribute shows to opening up for a couple of my favorite artists on the planet got to play a couple of shows with the deer hunter and spread our wings from manchester to sheffield and then got to open up for and so i watch you from afar over in huddersfield i don't think those things would have happened without solidifying the practice for a show and getting in the groove it helped us play really really well together as as a band and remind us that we'd have played live and one day when we book a scotland show we will be forced to close the set with bird we will be forced to close the show with bird which will be very fitting so yeah if anyone in scotland wants to have us the thing i'd most like to come out of this episode of the podcast obviously i'd love for people to go out and support anyone who's doing this but if anyone wants to take it on and run a show in any city i'll throw it out there that more than happy to use all the socials and people within the frabbit world that i've i've made friends with and ask them to promote shows and hopefully just give the world the opportunity to go out and hear the music again because as much as i love the frightened rabbit records nothing will top standing in a room with your friends, sing along to some of your favourite songs that Scott wrote. Yeah, absolutely. I think being in a room, people who love those songs and singing along to someone playing those songs, yeah, there's, there's nothing quite like it. And you could get all those people in a room and you could sing along to the record. It, it wouldn't be the same, would it? Absolutely. Where can people check you out if they want to hear you? Uh, so we have got a website, uh, which is www.civilserviceband.com and from there you can find us on all the socials we are good at facebook and instagram we are terrible at twitter our favorite place for you to listen to us will always be bandcamp civilservice.bandcamp.com but we are on all the other streaming platforms too cheers for your time today fran really appreciate it absolute pleasure alex thanks for having me i'm sure we'll speak real soon
was Fran Atkinson there. Thanks very much, Fran, for your time. Really appreciate it. Go and show your support to Civil Service by liking us across socials, checking out civilservice.bandcamp.com or our website, civilserviceband.com. Thanks once again to Matt Davis at the top of the show. From all the artists who performed and all the punters who got to enjoy Scott's music live once more, if only for a couple of nights. Hopefully this episode does inspire someone to try following in Matt's footsteps and throw a Frightened Rabbit tribute show of their own. If it does, Scott Pod promises to publicise it as best we can and give you a shout out on the pod itself. Come talk to us about it. I suppose I should say a special thank you in this episode to Civil Service, the band I roped in to help me commemorate Scott in 2018, and who then took me in as one of their own. They also helped to curate the music stings for each episode of the podcast. I think we've had just about enough community submissions throughout the episode, but tune in next time for a, a special community submission. Thanks again to all the guests this week. Thanks to Fran Atkinson for technical assistance on the podcast, to Civil Service for the musical stings, to Jane Coates for help with the website and socials, and to you, as ever, for listening. For our listener cover submission this week, I decided to rope in Jacob from Narwhals to surprise Matt Davis with his favourite Scott Hutchison song, Foot Shooter. Over to Jacob to tell us what Foot Shooter means to him. Foot Shooter is a song that's always struck me quite hard. It's always kind of resonated in a way with maybe some of my own experiences, maybe some of my own fuck ups a little bit as well. And I think it's what's so powerful about it is that brutal honesty and that ability to say, you know what, I fucked up. I am, I am sorry. It's not about fucking up and it's not about apologizing. Stop.
sober and dry sunlight I'll blink my eyes Oh, blink and engrave All the shit that I said did Good job. 